Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Happy New Year, everyone. Last show of the year, J.C. Sherbert here with you. A little break over the holidays. I know there's been a lot of news, but, uh, you know, after that coaching search and all that, uh, time to kind of end the year, this year of 2020, uh, which has been less than stellar, uh, and get on into 2021. Uh, Just a little housekeeping note here. So next week we'll be back podcasting, sort of normal schedule, three to four episodes. Uh, And then next Friday – uh, actually, probably next Thursday. Next Thursday or Friday, uh, I'm going. Next Thursday, next Thursday will probably be the last show of next week. Um, gonna go take a little vacation to Florida, like an actual vacation. This was kind of a staycation. Uh, get get away for a little while uh, over the weekend. We'll be back Tuesday night, so Wednesday ish. The which is will be what the 13th or 14th, whatever of January we get back on normal schedule because we got a lot to talk about here. You know, we've got uh, recruiting. We've got the rest of the coaching staff to fill out in football. Uh, when basketball restarts, we're definitely going to be talking about Frank Martin and his group. Uh, you got women's basketball. I'm sure they'll have a baseball season this year. Uh, and we'll kind of see, uh, you know, kind of see how it works out. So uh, I think that, um, you know, looking forward down the road. There's a lot to talk about here on the podcast. Appreciate every one of you. Appreciate those that missed the episodes. That's that's a very flattering thing when people are like, hey, where's my Inside the Gamecocks podcast episode? Also probably start to get some guests on, stuff like that. Um, so this is the first time we've talked since Shane Beamer officially announced uh, his coaching staff. And I've been on another a number of other outlets, uh, locked on the Gamecocks podcast, uh, local talk shows, things like that talking about it so you probably know what I think but uh I'll give it to you anyway um I think right now the people that are out there that are not happy with the staff uh are going through a little bit of PTSD to be honest with you and that's not to make light of PTSD uh as a a serious situation because uh you know it's crazy to admit I've had some of that in my life uh and I feel bad about it because I haven't been to a war like some of these folks have that have you know, seen some bad things and have really struggled with it, but it is a real thing. Um, so I'm not making light of it, but it, it's, it's, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's PTSD. Uh, I'm going to back up on that because that's now that I think about it, I don't want to make light of that, but it, it's kind of maybe shell shock, which is, you know, a, a war term as well, but it's, uh, you know, a little bit of, you know, maybe, uh, maybe skeptical buyer. I don't know. So <laughs> anyway, I think people, because Will Muschamp came in and put together a coaching staff with a lot of familiar SEC names, people are adverse and are picking apart every single thing, um, you know, every single coaching hire that happens. Uh, And really, when you ask 10 different fans why they don't want a guy, they have 10 different reasons. And I think a lot of it, you know, especially on the big spur uh, you know, and there, there's two groups, really. The big spur crowd kind of looks at other message boards and sees what other fans think and then, you know, make their opinions accordingly a lot. 
Um, a lot of people look at stats only. Uh, a lot of people look at stats just from last year. A lot of people look at body of work. Uh, there's there's many different reasons why people pick apart assistant coaches. Uh, and then I think some folks, you know, out there on the uh, <clears throat> on the Facebook end of things or the Twitter end of things, uh, I don't know what they're thinking, you know, because it's kind of crazy. Um, so, you know, so so here's the staff. And, and, I, and I've said for, for a while Mike Bobo is probably going to stay. And that's been in the works. You know, it's not a backup plan. Shane Beamer didn't go uh, missed on three guys for OC. Mike Bobo's get Mike Bobo's always factored in a bit, you know, because you, you look around, you know, there aren't many better, you know, with the track record he has. You have a first time head coach uh, who's coming in with ideas of his own. And make no mistake about it, Shane Beamer is going to put you know, his fingerprints on the offense. It's going to look different. I promise there will be some evolution there. Not that there even needs to be, to be honest, but there will be. Uh, and uh, there'll be some Oklahoma concepts introduced. And, and, and you got a guy that's called plays in the SEC at a high level for 17 years. You know, why would you not keep him? Plus a guy you've known and respected for a long, long time. And as Shane Beamer pointed out, he tried to hire him at Virginia Tech. When he was up there with his dad, he and Will Friend both. So that brings us to Will Friend. Uh, I think Will Friend is replacing a good offensive line coach in Eric Wolford. You guys have heard me defend him and the offensive line, and I've talked about how tough it is to be a good offensive line coach in the Southeastern Conference because you're playing against some of the best defensive linemen in the country every week. You're going to look bad from time to time, and the South is not – talent rich as far as offensive line goes um, because all your better athletes play D line, all that good stuff. I mean, you really, if you want really good offensive line and you need to go to the Midwest, uh, you know, you can ask most coaches uh, why those big 10 teams tend to put those linemen in the NFL more than most of the SEC. Um, you know, so, so you're kind of behind the eight ball. Uh, you know, that's the one position down South where it's like, well, you know, you got to kind of go find guys. And I thought Wolford did a good job of that. Um, Will Friends coming in, uh, I think you have to look at his entire career. I think you got to look at, you know, the job he did at Colorado State with Mike Bobo. Uh, I think you got to look at the job he did at Georgia with Mike Bobo. Uh, I think you got to look at the first year at Tennessee uh, where they had a lot of true freshmen that they had to play, and they got a lot better and won. I mean, that was kind of the high watermark of the Pruitt era so far. They won, what, eight straight games. Um, now they fell apart. And there's no question about that. So you got to take the good with the bad. And the entire offense, including the line, did not play very well down the stretch. And so, you know, I, I understand because of who Will Friend's replacing and the fact that he's an SEC name. I think this is going to be what is his third SEC school in the East, Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina. I understand the hesitancy there. Um, I will tell you that everybody I've talked to uh, and what little research I've done on him thinks highly of him and especially on the recruiting trail. He's a guy that can go get players. Um, Eric Kimry, this is another guy like Mike Bobo that, that from day one, uh, before Beamer even got the job, was probably going to be on staff had Shane Beamer gotten it. Um, the head coach at Hammond, we all remember him from the fade. I, I don't want to hear about the fact he coaches in Skiza. I don't think that matters at all. If football is football, you know, whether you're at Skiza or – uh, 5A, uh, you know, I think if you're a successful football coach or su successful football coach, I think, 
you know, he knows the recruiting game, um, has a passion for the university and is a really cerebral guy. He's a different kind of guy. Eric Kimry is not, you know, your run of the mill ball coach, you know, now he's replacing a guy that I've got a lot of respect for that. I think should have been on staff somewhere just to be honest. I, I just, uh, that's, that's my opinion. Um, you know, who also is a different kind of guy who's very smart who knows the recruiting game, who's been the coach at the, in the high school level, that's at the highest big winner. Um, but you know, if, 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 if you had to replace Bobby Bentley had to, and I guess, you know, I don't think you had to, but you know, if, if in my opinion, if you're going to replace Bobby Bentley, Eric Kimry's the guy, you know, and, and all that. And Bobby Bentley still could come back in an off the field role. Uh, and I hope he does, uh, or he gets a job calling plays and we all sit here and look and see how, you know, dumb it is that, and for the past five years, he never got a chance to do that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I, I think I think the world of Eric Kimry, um, I I honestly think he's ready for this moment. Uh, he wouldn't have taken any other college job uh, except the one right there at the University of South Carolina. Uh, and, and I don't think he's done at tight ends coach. He's gonna like like I used to talk about Bentley. You know, but one day he's gonna be in OSA. I think I don't think Kimry's just done. Uh, as the tight ends coach at Carolina. I think he's a guy that's going to have a lot more responsibility, you know, moving on and on and on. Um, so that's the offense. Des Kitchings obviously was a no-brainer. You're not going to do any better than Des Kitchings. And that, that's why, you know, some of these folks that are like, ah, they, they kept 40% of the old staff. Uh, and I'm going to go off on this tangent here for a little bit because I think, I think that, that's true. That's a factual factual statement you know of the 10 full-time assistants they kept he kept four um but but I'll, I'll say this you know three of those guys Kitchings included had only been there a year and they haven't even gotten a chance to go out and recruit because of COVID uh and Des Kitchings uh and Mike Bobo and Will Friend are guys that would have been hired anyway um you know or, or excuse me Will Friend's not coming back Des Kitchings and Mike Bobo were guys that could have been hired anyway um, Des Kitching should have gotten the South Carolina running backs coach job when Everett Sands got it, to be honest. I mean, you know, things may be different at South Carolina right now if that happened. Um, so you're not going to do any better than Des Kitchings at running backs. Uh, so, so on the four of the 10, I'll remind everybody, there were nine assistant coaches when Steve Spurrier took over, uh, and he kept three of them from the Holt staff. And, and kind of like Beamer, you know, he, he kept two guys in Ron Cooper and Rick Stockstill that only been there a year. Uh, and they kept David Reese because of a previously existing relationship. So, uh, you know, statistically, you know, 33.3% versus 40, it's not that much different. You kept three of nine or four of 10. Uh, so it's not that much different. So I, I think that, uh, you know, that stat, you know, people want to freak out about it. Don't freak out. You know, it's uh, these guys are good coaches um, going to the defensive side of the ball. You're not going to be do, doing much better than Tracy Rocker either. Uh, you know, you, you keep hearing when Tracy Rocker leaves the school about how bad he does this or that. Uh, and then it turns out it's just not true. I mean, you, you know, he leaves Georgia because, you know, allegedly he didn't get Aubrey Solomon and recruiting and all that because Tennessee and, um, then Aubrey Solomon leaves Michigan and goes to Tennessee to play for Tracy Rocker. So how, how is, how is Tracy Rocker, 
you know, in that situation, not recruiting well. Maybe it's just the kid didn't want to go to Georgia uh, initially or even afterward. I don't think it had anything to do with Tracy. Then he leaves Tennessee, says he, you know, he wasn't going to be, you know, contract was not going to be renewed uh, or whatever. Uh, that's the spin there or the talk. And then, um, and I guess, I guess his contract actually did not get renewed at Tennessee. Comes to South Carolina. And then the guy that replaces him at Tennessee gets fired in the middle of the season by Jeremy Pruitt. So tell me they upgraded. Did you see Tennessee's defensive line play a lot better this year than last year? No. Um, and, and I kind of think, you know, the Will Friend situation may play out that way too. But, uh, you know, people talk about, oh, Tracy Rocker can't recruit this, that, and the other. Well, it, you know, number one, it's a COVID year. Nobody can get on the road. Number two, in his area and at his position, you know, the Gamecocks got T.J. Sanders out of his area, who's also his position, and also got Nick Barrett out of Goldsboro. You know, so where is – where is even at Carolina during a COVID year when he can't go on the road, where is this lack of recruiting by Tracy Rocker? I don't know. Um, I know the defensive line did not live up to expectations last last season. I think there are a number of reasons for that, and he does have work to do to get some of these guys ready to roll. Um, but Shane Beamer had coached with him before at Georgia, uh, got an up-close look at how he worked. Um, he's still one of the most accomplished defensive line coaches in the country and brings a lot of credibility to the table. You're not going to do that much better than Tracy Rocker on defensive line. Uh, you know, I, I don't – you know, I think there's some guys out there, you know, that, that could do a good job, but you're not going to do that much better. Uh, Mike Peterson uh, is one of the coaches that all the players like. Uh, he and Des Kitchings both, uh, you know, coaches, uh, linebackers, 14 years in the NFL playing that position. Probably it'll end up being a, the linebackers coach and probably end up being pretty good at it because that's his spot. And, uh, you talk about recruiting, you know, maybe he didn't get as much credit for this as he deserved, but he he's the lead guy on Jordan Birch, you know, one of the five-star guys Will Muschamp got. Mike P was right there. Um, so I think when Beamer got to Carolina, uh, you know, he didn't know Mike Peterson, but after talking to him and being around him, he made the decision quickly. And that, that kind of aligns with what I hear from inside the program is, you know, Mike Peterson's kind of a glue guy on the coaching staff. You know, he 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 kind of helps t- keep the team together. And I know they didn't stay together all that well this year, but uh, you know, I, I definitely see the reason for keeping him. And um, I think he's you know a guy that's very valuable to the program. So so those four, when you just throw four out of ten out there, oh, 40 percent, the numbers, you know. You know that's 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 fine because that's a fact. Those are facts, and I'm I'm all about debates with facts, and that's fine. But I think you really need to go look at who they really kept. Who did they who did they really keep? And um, I said this on the Big Spur. You know, nobody's laughing at Gamecock fans, but 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 there there are a lot of SEC football coaches and contacts I have at other programs that are getting a good chuckle out of man. I, I didn't know. Standards were that crazy at South Carolina uh, to where they're not happy with with Mike Bobo and Tracy Rocker and Des Kitchings and Will Friend. You know that they're like, wow, you know this is a this is a staff you can see at Auburn or LSU or 
uh, you know, any of these places. Um, and, and like I've always said, though, and I don't want to be a hypocrite about this, so I'll, I'll back up there because I said that. I don't necessarily agree that what's right for Auburn and LSU and all these other schools is right for South Carolina. I do think when you look at the individuals, though, and you can kind of get past the, well, there's these there's these you know significant SEC names that, that are on the list. Um, I think when you get past that, I think um, you know you kind of dig down and you see you know well here, here's why Mike Bobo's at South Carolina, great play caller, uh, good really good recruiter, obviously. Um, you know, we'll see when he hits the road, what happens, um, you know, is a guy that has a relationship with Beamer that gets along with Beamer, uh, that came to South Carolina for a reason. That's also had other opportunities. He could have left. Mike Bobo didn't have to stay guys. Mike Bobo wasn't sitting there going, ah, I'm not going to have a job. He wanted to stay because he says he came to South Carolina for a reason. And that's, you know, and he wants to be there. You know, so you look at that, um, you know, you look at Will Friend and, and kind of his connections to Bobo and Beamer. And if you're going to replace Wolford, you need a guy that can come in there and, you know, get along and and, and, and be part of the team uh, who has a lot of experience. Who's also, you know, Eric Wolford recruited well, um, you know, and I think Eric Wolford won his share of big time recruiting battles. I'll also say this. If you're looking for star ratings and things like that, those of you that like that and, and they're into that, and rightfully so, a friend may be able to go get into some of these battles for these linemen and win them, you know, these these big-timer guys. Um, so you get to look forward to that, you know, even if uh, – and I'm sure, look, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care who recruits, you know, is coaching the O-line – I promise you next year there will be a game they struggle and you're like scratching your head going, what the hell? <laughs> and that's true at every school in this league. <laughs> and you're going to blame Will Friend. Uh, and, and and that's fine because I think that's what, what happens with the offensive line coaches around this league. It's brutal. But I, I think if you're kind of looking uh, from a recruiting standpoint, this guy's been in the mix. He's won the battles. He's also been at a place like Colorado State where you had to go find guys and evaluate well. Um, so, so I think digging into it, you know, is he going to be an upgrade from Wolford? Time will tell. Uh, but, but I think beyond the, oh, God, you know, and look, man, I'll be honest too. Some of these – Cade Mays and Trey Smith and Brandon Kennedy at Tennessee, who are part of that offensive line, are really good players. Um. Wanya Morris and Wright, the two tackle, the hyped-up tackles. from I was shocked they played as well as they did as freshmen because I thought they were years away. And maybe they regressed a little this past year. But, you know, don't just go look at their star ratings and freak out. I mean, look, Smith, obviously, great player. I thought Cade May's transfer from Georgia was really good, and it took them a while to get – um, you know, acclimated or whatever. And then Brandon Kennedy, who was a transfer from Alabama at center, I think was really good. But, man, let, let's not pretend like Morris and Wright were these all SEC guys, okay? And I'm not making excuses for that line because it should have been better. The whole offense should have been better. The whole team should have been better. Uh, but, but, you know, let's not, you know, cast the failure net uh, on a coach just yet because of two guys who probably should not have been five-star players, in my, in my opinion. Now, obviously, my brethren in the evaluation business believe, you know, believe me. But, like, look, I, 
I look at that line. I mean, Smith, absolutely. Mays, absolutely. Kennedy, absolutely. Those, those other two were mysteries to me, even last year. And he got the most out of them. So, so let, let's just back up there. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, I, you know, I, I think with Will Friend, you know, look, the offensive line is going to struggle. He's going to get blamed. But as far as what you do have there, you have a guy that's familiar with Bobo and, and Beamer that fits. Um, you know, you have a guy that, you know, can coach the system. And you have a guy that can go win some recruiting battles, uh, just like Wolford did, but maybe around the southeast at a little higher level, you know. So we'll we'll look forward to seeing, you know, what happens there. But Will Friend, excellent recruiter, uh, and, and all that. So, you know, defensively, I told you about Rocker and Peterson. Pete Limbo is coming in as the special teams coordinator. I've always thought the world of Pete Limbo, and there was a time where I was like, boy, some someday he could be the head coach at Carolina or a job like that because he's winning at Ball State. The guy's 112 and 65 as a head football coach and is a special teams guru. Um, also like the fact he's from Staten Island, New York, and probably has some connections up there in the Northeast. And, you know, Carolina hadn't really had that since G.A. Mangus. Um, you know, and, and I think if you can go up there and, and be competitive, and, of course, you know, when Mangus was going up there getting in, in the mix and stuff, you know, you didn't have Penn State recruiting like they are. Uh, I think that was – just before the Big Ten kind of merged into New Jersey and all that. But I still think, you know, you talk about Maryland North, you know, PA, New Jersey, uh, New York State to a certain extent. If you have the right guy, you can go up there and pluck off one or two. And that's one or two that you don't have to go. uh, If you pick off one or two really good ones, it's one or two you don't have to go fishing in Georgia or or, or somewhere else for uh, that you may or may not get a guy. Um, and so I think that's good. I think that he brings an enthusiasm to the table for special teams, which, you know, Beamer obviously has. Um, and I think, you know, as a head coach that's won, you know, those of you that are upset about Mike Bobo's record at Colorado State, you should be elated at Pete Limbo's record at Lehigh, Elon, and, and uh, Ball State. Those are not easy places to win, folks. Of those three, Elon's probably the easiest place. Um, to win, and Elon's not exactly the easiest place. So that's the staff, and uh, so far, um, who's going to be the D coordinator? Will it be Derek Mason? Intriguing. Will it be Kevin Steele? Intriguing. Will it be Jay Bateman, dare I say, still? Intriguing. I know it's not going to be John Heacock from Iowa State. I think you could put that one to bed. But, uh, you know, will it be somebody else? Off the radar. Will Charlie Strong's name come back up? Who knows? Uh, I think right now Mason's the leader in the clubhouse. People are like, well, why haven't they announced it yet? Well, because they don't work on the time frame of fans, first and foremost. And second, um, he's got other options. And, and I think Derek Mason's taking his time to decide, you know, and he said this in the, in the media, I'm recharging my batteries, taking the time to decide what to do. Um and then there could be some situations where, you know, there's all this talk about Tory and Gray, and, and there's mixed talk. You know, will he come from Florida and reunite with Beamer? Will he not? Um, and there could be a situation where, with Mason, he wants to bring his own secondary coach. Maybe Beamer wants Gray. They're negotiating. You know, that kind of thing. The speculation on my part, but in um, Mason's secondary guy, I think that he would. I think, 
I think that he would bring for Vanderbilt would be uh, Aaron Henry, who uh, I covered as a recruit, actually, out of Immokalee, Florida. Went to Wisconsin, was an all-Big Ten defensive back for Wisconsin. Recruit South Florida. Uh, would he be a guy that I would say his resume is better than Torian Gray? No. But uh, I think that, you know, sometimes it's not the name, right? Sometimes it's the fit. So we'll see what happens there. I, I love Torian Gray, though. I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I think it would be a huge, huge boost to South Carolina's program for Gray to be on staff, you know. And so if it's not – if it's not Mason as the coordinator, but Gray comes and it's one of these other guys, I think that'd be superb. I mean, unbelievable, to be honest. So um, there's still a lot to go there. Now, receivers coach, I don't know. That's a mystery. You heard Justin Stepp's name. You heard uh, Lonnie Galloway's name. You've heard Aaron Moorhead's name from the Eagles. I, and I think Moorhead would be the type of guy they would want right now. He's a really good uh, position coach as far as coaching the spot. Also can recruit. Um, they're going to have to go recruit receivers regardless. I don't, you know, even if the receivers coach it and a good recruit, I think Chris Beatty is another guy from Pitt that could be a, a fit there. Um, Garrick McGee, uh, who's at Florida as a defensive analyst, but who coached under Petrino is another name. But there's really nobody I feel great about with that, you know, and not feel great about them joining the staff per se, but feel great about, you know, okay, this is the guy. You know, you have a better beat on secondary coach and defensive coordinator. So we'll see kind of what happens there with the receivers coach. I uh, I think that's a critical spot because just because of kind of how, how they're doing, you know, <laughs> uh, at that position. You know, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, but I do think help is on the way at wide receiver this offseason at South Carolina. I think that uh, – you know, really, really like the guys they've got committed, Omega Blake, Sam Reynolds. Um, I know you guys probably watched Caleb McDowell in the state championship game. Wow, you know, what a what a performance by that guy. You know, just a ball player. Uh, and so we'll see kind of uh we'll see kind of what happens um moving forward there. But uh anyway, that's the staff. Uh good recruiting stuff on the bigspur.com right now. Um, one guy to keep an eye on uh, at linebacker, I think, is junior college linebacker Joko Willis. Uh, was commit, still committed to Kentucky technically. Gamecocks probably can flip him from LaGrange, Georgia, originally. So there you go, home of Blake Mitchell. And uh, down to that area, man, there's some good football players. Uh, and I, I think that he's a guy, when you look at the linebacker situation, they desperately need. He has four to play four. So I think that's huge, too, because uh, he's going to be there a while. So Joko Willis is a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, just if you want one name in recruiting, I don't want to give them all away. Uh, Joko, that's the guy to kind of look out for. All right. So mailbag. 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 Y'all remember when I used to do that with Keith? Mailbag. Maybe I'll get another sound here or something. And I'm going to pull it up. By the way, Kirk Herbstreet, positive for COVID-19. Put it on Twitter last night. Shoot, buddy. That stuff's out there, man. That's what I'm worried about. Uh, worried about uh, 
a little bit of the travel next week, vacation. I'm going to go in a hazmat suit or something. So anyway, here we go. Uh, here we go. All right. Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. That's where you go. I was distracted by a tweet. I apologize. I should never pull up tweet. I have to pull up tweet deck to, to answer your questions, but I should never, ever pull. I should, I should have like a, my own like separate inside the Gamecocks column that I look at because I, inevitably I look and I see something I'm like, hey, look at the pretty things. Oh, it's crazy. All right. Rod emails in. AJC, I think a lot of Muschamp has a lot of the guys spoiled and soft, so to sort of speak. Mike Boas tells them like it is, and I think a select few on the team are not used to hearing it. I think that's the case with the guys that left. RJ, all the guys in the secondary who played collectively horribly this year. Um, you know, when you think about the secondaries that Muschamp had, it's kind of crazy that you know DJ Smith and Stephen Montak and. You know, those cats, Chris Lamonts, Rashad Fenton, a lot of the leftovers from the Spurrier era, you know, were the best units. Really fascinating, isn't it? Uh, Mike Bobo tells them like it is, and I think a select few on the team are not used to hearing it. That's true. Mike Bobo, let me tell you something about Mike Bobo. He is brutally honest. That's why some of these people that think, you know, they have the conspiracy theory that he's kept Helensky on the bench and all. I mean, just these wild theories about it. And you know, like he intentionally went two and eight and intentionally, you know, threw Colin Hill out there because, you know, uh, he's buddies with Hill or whatever. Uh, that's not true. If you know, Mike Bobo, he, he's a brutally honest guy. And, and, and a lot of guys, most guys, most folks respect that. Some people, Probably respect it, but they get their feelings hurt, and so they leave. Um, and I think that's the truth. And and I think the the coaching he did, and I, and I don't know that Will Muschamp didn't do it. I mean, I, I don't I don't know, I don't know what Muschamp was really his message was compared to you know Bobo's. Um, Anyway, Rod goes on to say, enjoy your show and tune into JB and Goldwater daily and love your input and value your info as well. Yes, Rod. Uh, listen to JB and Goldwater. By the way, those guys have an app. Uh, download it from the app store. You can take JB and Goldwater anywhere. They have a great bonus package. It's, it's a couple of bucks. Uh, you support the show uh, and you get a lot of benefit out of that, especially if you're down in Charleston, but really all over the state and all over the country. So I would encourage you to download the JB and Goldwater app. Um, if you haven't already. Thanks, Rod. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Bobo tells it like it is. And um, that hurts some feelings for sure. Short term, as far as the team goes, short term pain for long term gain. Yeah, they all those guys opted out and quit or whatever, transferred. Short term pain for long term gain. All right, Mark says. JC, thanks for the great work on the podcast. Why do you think Rod Wilson left if he had the option to stay? I really like Rod and thought he was finally back home to help the program. Seems strange. Also glad to see Kimry will join the staff. I don't think Rod had the option to stay on the field. I think it was off the field. And Rod Wilson did not want to ever be off the field. Uh, Muschamp tried to hire him early off the field. And he just that's just not him. And I think, frankly, 
I think Rodriguez Wilson's too good to be off the field. And 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 not to say that Beamer's making a mistake by replacing him, because you have to fit everything together with the new coordinator. What's he going to coach? Um, I, I think because I think in, with, with the other three that he retained, not being at South Carolina very long was a benefit. Uh, I think that with Mike Peterson and, and Rod Wilson, when you're talking about one of the two, Peterson being at South Carolina longer was more of a benefit because of the relationship with the players. Um, and, and, you know, I I think that also with, with hiring a special teams coach, you know, had Beamer taken the special teams, I think at that point it may be a different conversation on Rod. Then people would be griping because you kept five of ten. Um you know, because Rod's a special teams guy too. So, so I think at the end of the day, just, you know, when you bring in Lim, you know, Pete Limbo and to coach the teams and then you, you're you looking around, I mean, there just wasn't room. Um, and so, yeah, I, and look, I, I think people were very pleased with Rod Wilson's one year back, you know, around the program. It was a tough year uh, and he did a good job. So uh, maybe he'll be back one day. Andy says, JC, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Regarding women's basketball, I know this team received an SEC championship and number one in final rankings. Prior to COVID, there were plans to raise a number one final ranking banner. Have you heard if USC still has plans in place to place a banner at the CLA and recognize the team's achievements from 2019 to 2020? Yes, uh, I have heard that, uh, and that's from Andrew and Charlotte. I have heard that is still in the in the in the works. I think maybe they would do it next year, uh, just because you have limited crowds, limited opportunity to enjoy it. Uh, I do not think there's hanging a national championship banner, nor should I. Should they? Uh, I, I'm not a fan of going and claiming national championships. I understand why UCF did it in football. I don't think they should have thought it was kind of a, a joke. Uh, but if you're South Carolina women's basketball, you're a national powerhouse. You don't have a need. Uh, this is not the 19, 1930s Alabama football where you're, you know, you win the cornflakes national championship and you, and you count it. You know, th- there's a process for winning a national championship in the sport of basketball and it's winning the tournament. And they did not do that. But, Number one team in the country banner, all, I'm all for, all for. And I do think it'll happen. I just don't know that it'll happen this year. Uh, maybe like if, if they get to, let's say the season gets pushed back a bit, which I think they should do. Um, and we get to April and lots of people are vaccinated. And, you know, the, it's kind of more relaxed. You can have more people there. Maybe they do it then. Uh, but my guess is that, that they're probably – Probably, if things go well, hanging two banners at the beginning of next season and one for the national championship, which I, I think Carolina will win uh, in that sport. They're too good. Uh, and then one for the number one team the year before. Thanks, Andy. It's weird to get a women's basketball question. I saw the the subject line that said women's basketball, and I was like, I may not be able to answer this because I don't follow it that closely. I, the, the big picture stuff, I can tell you, but all that. But I, I appreciate you sending that email in. All right, Mitchell. JC, hope you had a good Christmas. I got a question for the podcast, primarily in-state recruiting. Uh, I know Gamecock fans talk about how important the Rock Hill area is for the program, but I wanted to know your opinion on the talent level and the surrounding areas 
of Rock Hill, York County, such as York and Clover and Fort Mill. And do you think these areas are places Beamer could establish pipelines? I know Rock Hill is known as Football City USA, but I do think these particular places don't get enough of attention during recruiting. York and Clover have had good high school football teams in the past couple of years. Yeah, my buddy Brian Lane is the head coach at Clover. And Nation Four made it the upper state game in 2015 as well, not to mention the new school, Catawba Ridge, made it to upper state in only their second year of varsity play. As a side note, while they're not in York County, Chester has had great success on the football field. They recently won a state championship. Um, here's the thing, Mitchell, that, that, you know, there haven't been a ton of guys. Usually in that part of the state, if there's a player, South Carolina, you know, that can play at this level, South Carolina's on it. Um, there really have been very few misses uh, in terms of guys from Rock Hill or wherever that Carolina hadn't offered that have gone elsewhere. Now, Nick McLeod is going to be the big one everybody brings up. Um, and looking back on it, they probably should have taken Nick McLeod. <laughs> At the end of the day, you should have taken Nick McLeod. Um, but, you know, Carolina does comb the Clover, York, Fort Mill, Nation, Ford, Chester, you know, right up I-77. They, they do a really good job there. Now, that's historically. Uh, there's a new staff here, but I, I can't imagine Shane Beamer and his staff not working the crap out of it. And you're right. There's talent. There, there's talent. There was a, there's kid. I mean, there's sleeper types from nation forward every year. And um, I've, I've seen some guys from Rock Hill, Northwestern, South point, all that, um, you know, and now there's more schools because that area is growing. So I, I, uh, I agree with you. And I think that is a place the university of South Carolina does need to establish a pipeline because, you know, with the exception of Darion Kendrick, you know, most of the high-level guys from Rock Hill either go to South Carolina or they go out of state. When South Carolina's down, they go out of state. When South Carolina's not, they come to South Carolina. So I think that um, it's vitally important, vitally important. You know, the Gamecocks program turned when Rock Hill turned. When you didn't have guys, you know, Jeff Burris going to Notre Dame and Jamie Robinson, or I think his name was Jamie Robinson, different Jamie Robinson going to Florida state and Derek Ross going to Ohio state and all that. It turned when, when that happened, Clowney, Gilmore, Holloman, uh, the Dixon boys, you know, now you got to make a Blake coming in, you know, that that's a, that's a spot South Carolina Jakari Caldwell's there. That's a spot South Carolina should always, always uh, emphasize. I think that spot, I think the PD in the low country, uh, those could be in Eastern North Carolina. Those could be gold mines for the Gamecocks because there's a lot of talent there, and it's not always obvious. So great, great talk, Mitchell, about Rock Hill. Happy New Year to you, buddy. All right. Delma says, hello, JC. I'm a longtime listener and enjoy your podcast. I feel you're in the know. And do not t- put out bad takes and information. I think I've had a bad take or two in my life. I mean, like, just straight opinion. <laughs> but, man, when, when you're covering this game and you're talking about players and who's going to be good and who's not, and even coaches, it, it's not easy. I mean, it, it's 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 an inexact science. I mean, you know, I'm sitting here stunned with, with some of the coaches out there that are struggling and some of them that are winning, you know, stunned with some of the players that, that can never make a difference. 
you know, and that's because we're dealing with human beings. Human beings make decisions and those decisions impact their performances uh, with any job or, or anything. But in football, that's particularly true. And, you know, you're not privy when you're analyzing it uh, to the different decisions that are being made. Um, but yeah, I'd like to think I don't put out anything bad. Uh, so Delmas goes on with the transfer portal being open to all athletes without restrictions. Now they haven't passed it yet, but they will. Are there any players that you know of that may have had South Carolina on their final list of schools before deciding to go elsewhere that may draw them back home? Do you see coach Beamer using that initial interest in the Gamecocks as a starting point to target positions of need with wide receiver, linebacker, DB or healthy, hefty DT. Yeah. They need a hefty DT. Thank you for your time. Um, I think if there's an interest, yeah, they'll look at it. Uh, I think that, you know, you know, they're, they're, you don't know who all is going to ultimately end up in the portal. Uh, it's kind of like shopping at uh, this place called Ollie's. I think it's Ollie's. Is it Ollie's? Ollie's. They have one in Greenville. Good stuff, cheap is what they call it. You know, it's kind of like Ollie's is like whatever comes in on the truck. You know, we may have uh, a sale on, you know, floor fans for a week, you know, $15 floor fans. But then you may not have the floor fans the next week. Uh, You know, they may have a big run on Christmas socks right around November or maybe in July. But, but, you know, you're not always going to have Christmas socks. Uh, You may have a big big run on, on heaters, space heaters but you may not always have space heaters or vacuum cleaners or whatever, or toys. Um, Ollie's that's kind of how the transfer portal is, uh, you know, so you just don't know what's going in there, but if there's an opportunity, I can see that happening. And, and here's the interesting thing that I want to know about the portal, because it's been quiet. You know, we've, we've heard quiet. We, we haven't heard much about this. What's Clemson going to do? Um, Clemson has a transfer, a no transfer policy. They have a no JUCO policy. Is Clemson going? Is Clemson good? Are they going to be okay with, with not going out and getting transfers? Um, especially if they're they, they take a hit in the portal because of playing time or whatever. Um, I don't know because just like with JUCOs, let's say Clemson passes and they say no, nah, no, nah, not going to take any transfers. Okay then that's an advantage for, you know, South Carolina. And if you have players from South Carolina that have gone elsewhere that may want to come back, just like with JUCOs, because at that point, if you want to come home, you have one power five option. So you kind of get a monopoly on it, you know, and Carolina's gotten some really good players that have bounced back uh, from, from in-state, from, from JUCO. They got a couple of, uh, a couple of other ones coming in on the defensive backfield in this class. Um, so if Clemson elects to continue to do what Clemson's doing, and I kind of feel like they should because that's kind of what's worked for them. Um, and South Carolina could get an advantage with the portal and JUCOs. I think that's just – that's an advantage in terms of, you know, getting your roster back up if, if you're willing to go do that. Now, when guys transfer, there's a reason they transfer. Um and and I think that in this these first couple of years of the portal, I think you're going to have guys that are really good players that that just 
like like especially with this class 2021 class uh the signing right now they're going to end up transferring to higher clip because they didn't get a chance to visit the school they're going to i mean they're they're basically going off zoom oh it seems like a nice place and getting thrown out into the ocean <laughs> and, and 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 i tell you that that's going to cause some guys to transfer simply because you look at guys how many times do you have a player coming into a visit that says well, these are my top three. And then he goes and visits a place, and then all of a sudden they're number one, and and, and nobody catches them. And he goes and visits maybe what, what was that number one school, and he's like, eh, I'm not feeling it as much. And so that school drops. You know, right now we have recruitments terminating at the Zoom call <laughs> and pictures. And some kids have been, you know, good about getting in the car and actually driving to the town they're going to. Um, but it's uh, the portal's going to be full. Initially, you know, the next couple of years, the portal's going to be full of great opportunities for players. Eventually, it's going to be full of guys that, you know, you see why they transferred, you know. And then guys maybe wanting to go up a level, which I think eventually they may legislate that out because it's going to kill group of five and FCS and, and all that. Because every year there's a bunch of group of five and FCS guys drafted, um, so they got they got some good players you can pluck. Um, and don't 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 sit there and say Jalen Brooks was terrible this year because he wasn't. He he needs to work on his hands like every other receiver on the roster. But uh, he got open athletically. He looked fine. Um, and I wasn't I wasn't aiming that at you, Dumas. I was just saying in general because I could hear people. Oh, what about Jalen Brooks? What about Nick Muse? Maybe that's not a good one either. Maybe guys at the lower level need to get on the jugs machine. If you come up a level, get on the jugs machine. So, thanks, Delmas. My man Phil says, hey, JC, I hadn't emailed in for a while, and even though I could ask a thousand questions about the new and old coaching staff, I believe it'll get answered one way or the other. My question is, since football season is almost over, what are your top five Carolina football classics and what's the best way to watch full games besides just going to YouTube? I'm looking for time, time to kill. I want to watch some games that I might not have watched before. My all-time classic is the University of South Carolina at Missouri comeback. Thanks for all you do. Hope you and your family had a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and happy belated birthday. Thanks, Phil. Um, it's YouTube, it, but it's good. Like I went back and watched the 1984 Clemson, South Carolina game the other day. Uh, the 22-21 comeback. I was seven years old. I vaguely remember it. Uh, and I sat there and watched it uh, the whole game. I've watched Carolina at Notre Dame in 84, Carolina at Miami in 87, uh, a lot of games through the 90s, uh, and a lot of games back in the Holtz era. Um, top five Carolina football classics. Man, that's a, that's a brutal, brutal, brutal one. I don't know about – these are not in order because I don't – uh, I haven't thought about ranking them, but five best was probably the 87 Carolina Clemson game would be up there. I think that that Missouri game you talked about, the comeback would be up there. Uh, I think the Clemson game in 2012 when Dylan Thompson, you know, if you're talking about classics, you know, nobody expected Carolina to win that game. Uh, and, and they did because Dylan Thompson was lights out. And Spurrier dialed up a bunch of plays, and Carolina's defense dominated them. Uh, and then, then I'm going to go with two games in 2010, the Alabama game and uh, 
the Florida game on the road. And look, there's some other options there. The 84 Florida State game was good, Um, really, really good. The uh, 88 Georgia game was good. Obviously, the 2000 and 2001 Georgia games were good. The 2011 Georgia game down there with the fake punts and the defensive touchdowns was a classic. Um, You know, as far as games where Carolina just sort of pulled it out, you're like, you know, that I think the Kentucky game in 04 when Mike Rath threw the touchdown late was something else. Uh, The Michigan Bowl game, uh, the Outback Bowl in 2012 with the hit. You know, the hit was in that game, but nobody remember – people remember the hit. But Carolina also, like, had a – staged a furious last-second touchdown drive with Shaw started it and then Thompson comes in and hits Ellington for the touchdown. It was – it was a classic win for the Gamecocks. Um, I don't know how many there were in the Muschamp era. I think the NC State win in 2017, the win over Michigan in 2017 – I thought the Tennessee game in 2016 was good. Ole Miss in 2018. Other than that, you know, a lot of what could have been game in the swamp in 2018. That's what started it going. I said, if you ever watched the movie Flight with Denzel Washington, it's uh, the opening scene. Is a, an airliner gets into some trouble, and Denzel's sitting there sleeping in the captain's seat, which happens. And they're cruising right along, and then all of a sudden it goes, there's a clunk, and then some stuff started in, and then all of a sudden the, the next thing you know, the plane's in free fall. That Florida game was that first initial clunk, I think, of the Muschamp era. So, I don't know. Two and eight, folks, two and eight. So, <laughs> got to get back out. But there is some good recruiting news on the way, I think. Um, I think you guys, no matter who he hires, is going to be happy. You're going to be happy with the – with the DC hire, I, I think there's going to be. Let, let's say they hire Mason and he brings his guy instead of Torian Gray. There's going to be some angst out there from from a lot of people that aren't going to be happy anyway. That want to kind of spin that because you know Gray has a better re- resume than the other guy. But you, you know you got to get your fit right and uh, and all that. So and look, I hope Torian Gray comes. I think he's a hell of a coach. Uh, but it's not the end of the world, and it's not any kind of miss. Um, you know, and you, you see these just ridiculous takes about, oh, he's not getting his first choices. And then you ask some of these people, well, well who were the first choices that, that he could have gone and gotten? Who who makes sense that he could have gone and gotten? You want to say Jay Graham was the first choice at running backs coach over Des Kitchings? I, I'll believe that. But I also, in my opinion, from where I stand, and this is no offense to Jay Graham, Des Kitchings is a better fit at Carolina right now for what they need than Graham, you know, and that's nothing against Jay. I think he's a hell of a coach. You know, people talk about Will Friend and then what, oh, you know, who else was out there? And then the the the, the craziest one is, well, well, he missed on Garrett Riley <laughs> uh, and A.J. Ricker and say so he had to hire Mike Bobo and Will Friend. If you talk to anybody in college football and you put that out there, you know, people that know what they're talking about, they are going to laugh at you. And, and I'll tell you why. And this is nothing against Garrett, because Garrett Riley and A.J. Ricker were in the mix to join the staff, you know, with Bobo, co-coordinator, something like that. It, it didn't work out that way. Garrett Riley's Lincoln's brother, bright future, bright coach, you know, 
has called plays one year, and that was under Sonny Dykes at SMU. Uh, before that, he was the running backs coach at App State. So you're going to hand him the offense just because his name's Riley. Uh, and you're going to, you're going to, and, and then Ricker, I think, you know, you, I could have, Ricker would have been fine. He has SEC experience at Missouri and he'd have been fine, you know, got a good rep compared to friend anyway, but I don't think there's a Nichols difference between the two resumes. Um, and then you go, uh, you know, you look at it like that and, and then you say, well, he missed on those guys. No. SMU, you know, nobody's staying at SMU in the American, uh, you know, unless there's something like you think you're going to be the head coach there soon and, and Dykes didn't go anywhere. Um, nobody's staying in the American, you know, when they have a chance to come to the Southeastern Conference. The money is just so much greater. You'd be doing a disservice to your family. So so that's not, that's not what happened. And, you know, you never know. Riley could – Riley could pop up somewhere. Who knows? But uh, you know, that's that's the issue, you know, right there is that you know, you you sit there and I think in people's mind, they're like, you know, so desperate for, you know, success on offense, you know, the, the, they think that it's just a magic switch you pull, you know, flip and oh, presto, you know, we're just gonna go be Oklahoma now. And, and that's just not the case. And I'll tell you this too. You know, I'll remind you that Steve Spurrier, when he got to South Carolina, did not light it up offensively because you need players. And Spurrier had Sidney Rice and some guys like that. You need players. So, um, and, and, and I think the dumb thing Beamer could have done would have been to say, all right, we're going we're gonna to roll with Garrett Riley and A.J. Ricker uh, and we're just going to let Mike Bobo and all of his experience walk out the door and, you know, and not hire a real friend and go with these guys from SMU. I, mean, I just, you know, if Garrett Riley had been at SMU having record setting offenses for three or four years, that's a different, that's a different conversation, different conversation. So anyway, uh, by the way, Philip, I appreciate your email and I appreciate all of your emails again, inside the game at gmail.com. Keep them coming. I'm going to do this more often. I promise. Got to get through the new year uh, and we'll get things rocking and rolling uh, pretty soon. Again, next week. And then I, I got a little vacay. I got to go on. And then through January, through the next signing day, through spring practice, through basketball, as we all come out of this pandemic, hopefully, you know, we'll, you'll be hearing from me a lot more on the Inside the Game Guys podcast. Hope everyone had a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. Um, love each other, you know, because you, you just never know what's going to happen uh, in this crazy world we live in. And uh, here's to hoping that 2021 is a better year for the world at large, for the Gamecocks, and for everyone uh, personally out there uh, in the audience. All right, J.C. Sherbert signing off for 2020. This has been the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. <laughs>